please try to remember that no matter if you are searching for a job or in a great job or frustrated by a job, the world is smaller than it appears, not larger. You also have the power of your attitude and the opportunity to try to chart your life and career. These things are not just up to your employer and employers in the 21st century. In fact, you have more power of influence than you think. Please keep these things in mind as we welcome you to our very first and only actually um, bulletin the state of the union for radio. We call it the radio state of the union because that's what it is. This is a special one-time edition of both the encouragers, the radio rally and the encouragers innovation and audio together. And will result in us sharing this event as a podcast on both the encouragers, the radio rally podcast and the encouragers innovation and audio podcast, both of which you can get anywhere you get your podcast today. Our thanks to Joe Kelly, for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating audio footprint and distributing them. Mike McVeigh is certainly well known in radio and in media, so I don't have to spend even a minute telling you about Mike's credibility. His firm, McVeigh Media, is a full-service consulting firm specializing in helping clients in broadcasting, and media. He most recently also served as the EVP content and programming for Cumulus Media Westwood One. So when we get to talking about corporate radio, you know that Mike knows this subject inside and out. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm a branding advisor and consultant for Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. My background includes programming in small, medium, and major markets and serving as senior rating strategist for direct marketing companies serving the highest levels of radio across the U.S. for a decade and a half, including being a trusted outside advisor to PPM and Diary Market corporate radio ratings teams inside some of the biggest broadcasters today, as well as serving independent broadcasters coast to coast. Mike and I have known each other for a long time, as you might expect. I can remember going to Mike's programming schools in Cleveland and soaking up a lot that formed my early beliefs in programming necessities. And many of the smartest things I have learned happened because I came into the sphere of Mike McVeigh. Here is the bottom line of what you need to know about Mike if you don't already. He has always had a high passion for radio and cared deeply for the people, the professionals of radio. In our recent discussions, as well as independent conversations that both he and I have had with others, we really began to feel that there is a need for a more public discussion about employment, job search, career management, corporate and local radio and the future. And that is what you are about to hear. Please don't forget that we do have two regular events every week on the Encouragers. Mondays, we have the Encouragers, the Radio Rally, and Wednesdays, the Encouragers, Innovation and Audio. Both live events happen at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and both are designed to encourage your career in radio and audio. Trust me, we learn from each and every live event, and you can mingle with some pretty special guests. 
tell your radio and audio friends. One last note before we get this event really started. If you are serious about programming, developing audience for your radio station, or developing audience anywhere with music, you will, uh, let's just say you want to be the very best music director in your market, then what I'm about to talk about is a must attend live event. Make time for the one and only Guy Zapolian on October the 1st. This is another special event from the Encouragers. Make your plans now. Circle this on your calendar. Uh, you will hear it live on the Clubhouse app with the Encouragers. Guy Zapolian on music. Friday, October the 1st, our first Friday night live event. Friday, October 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Sound familiar? This one-time event with the Encouragers will be about music, research, and rotations. We call it music, music discovery, research, rotations, and more then and now with Guy Zapolian. Okay, so according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, employment of broadcast announcers and radio disc jockeys, known as DJs, is projected to decline 5% from 2019 until 2029. Continuing consolidation of radio and television stations will limit employment growth. Employment of media and communications workers, all others, is actually projected to grow 8%, much faster than the average for all occupations. However, because it is a small occupation, the fast growth will result only in about 2,800 new jobs over the next decade. Demand for additional media and communication workers will increase as the number of Internet-only platforms such as streaming video and podcasting services continues to grow along with the number of shows produced for these platforms. Radio, State of the Union. This is our State of the Union for radio for anybody in the radio business in 2021. But there are special details in this live broadcast for those searching for work and managing their career on the talent side of our business. Because we have this clubhouse group, the encouragers, we thought it would be a great place to break out a conversation that includes some nuts and bolts on career management and the environments radio station employees and radio employees find themselves in today. Mike and I have both uh, had a long, strong passion for helping and encouraging talent and radio pros at all levels. This event is designed for us to probe employment situation, job search, career management, the state of corporate and local radio, and the future itself. By the way, in case you feel like the future is grim, it isn't. Station uh, listenership is growing and moving into new devices. According to Nielsen's 2019 mid-year report, there were more than 7 million weekly radio listeners in the U.S., actually more, 7 million more than there were in 2016. Obviously, we had a temporary disruption with the pandemic, uh, but we are seeing those numbers come back. You see that in all the reporting that you see. The value of radio is still very, very clear. And terrestrial radio is only a part of that growth as one of the most frequent uses of smart speakers today is to stream a favorite FM radio station. Are you ready? 
the reality of big corporate companies today in the broadcast business. Mike, please welcome to the Encouragers. How are you, sir? I am very good, and thank you. I appreciate the introduction and the opportunity tonight. Well, we appreciate uh, you making time for us in this event. If you were going to look at the big radio corporations today, would you separate them in any way, or could you group all corporate radio together now? In other words, you know, we're not asking you to name names. We're saying, look, we, we're really asking if they all fit together or if if they should be separated because of philosophy and direction of their businesses. If you could separate them also into categories, can you do that for us kind of loosely? Yeah, and, and I don't mind naming names, although I'll leave somebody out, I'm sure. But, you know, first off, you know, corporate radio, by the way, in my opinion, isn't a bad thing if you're on the team. Um, if you're not on the team, then it's a very bad thing. And and there are certainly examples, some of which I've experienced myself in the early days that I was at Cumulus, that weren't as enjoyable as later days um, at Cumulus Media. And so if you sit down, you've got your big three, of course, and I Heart Odyssey and Cumulus. Then there's a next swath, which is Hubbard, Town Square, Alpha. Uh, although Hubbard, to be fair, is primarily in major markets. And, you know, a very good, very strong company. And the other two have a mix of big and small uh, together. And then you get into a swath of medium small market operators like uh, Saga, Midwest, Cherry Creek. And, you know, every company, I don't care who they are, have some properties that do very well and other properties that don't do so well. So, So it's tough to say that all stations within a company are corporate radio. My personal opinion is a lot depends on who the market manager is. You know, the very best market managers, regardless of the company, who generate the most revenue, who do the best job, tend to have the most responsibility. And I'm sure that they find their corporations giving them a lot more leeway. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And they have the most respect. And going back to what you said about if you're on the team, you know what? My people always said when I was growing up, if you take a paycheck from somebody, you should be on the team. Right. Yeah. You, and, and by the way, you should. But that's just not true. Um, right. You right. know, there's there's always going to be, regardless of the profession, a certain amount of entitlement that some people feel. Um and those are probably the people that, who complain the most about where radio is and and what's going on. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, it, it's also true in periods of transition because people become, you know, unsettled and they start, you know, kind of reacting to that, if you will. Let's talk reality. OK, the telecom yeah. bill. All that old stuff, it's in the past. Today, private equity, uh, high debt loads, companies with different strategies and and sometimes strategies that, that don't really look like radio or certainly don't focus on radio as a direction that some companies are moving. Uh, let, let's take the veil off and look at things unvarnished. That's kind of what we promised to do. We all want full employment. Who doesn't want to work, right? I, I do feel like some people pine for the past and wonder when it'll come back. I'm much more interested in what will actually happen in the future since the past doesn't come back and it never has. 
What are the challenges, the real challenges that these companies face today in the world of radio? And and how does that impact employment, career management, and talent of all kinds seeking stability and, and growth in their career in the business today? Wow. Um, I mean, a couple things there. You know, first off, debt is the challenge. Um, I got in trouble some years ago at a conference uh, when I was consulting, you know, for 28 years, I had McVay Media. Then I joined Cumulus for nine years. Now for two years, I've been back in my own company. And in that first, you know, group of 28 years, I lived through consolidation. And I got in trouble at a conference for standing up once and saying, because your company buys another company, doesn't mean that you are better broadcasters than they are. It only means you're better financed. And that was true. And then who those people sold to piled on debt. And who those people sold to piled on debt. And so debt's really the challenge. I mean, how stations operate around their debt's the question. And several of the big companies run very different races from other companies. The competition in media is greater than ever. And that's logical, right? Because to be honest, it's always growing and it's always changing. It'll be harder next year. It'll be harder in 2025 and so on. And it's been that way since electronic media became a reality. It means that talent, especially talent, need to be stellar at driving ratings and revenue. That's the purpose of what we do. We're in a for-profit business. We are mercenaries. And so before the pandemic hit, I was preaching to talent to make themselves indispensable, to make themselves directly connected to income. And I got to tell you, I've sat in meetings when I was involved in corporate radio where you're talking about budget cuts and a talent's name is mentioned. And somebody else says, we generate $150,000 in endorsements from them. And suddenly, you're off that list. So one of the things you can do in addition to sounding fabulous on the air is connect yourself to profit. Because like you said, we are in a for-profit business. Oh, and that means a lot to people sitting around in these boardrooms because they're not not paying attention. They're going to see that number. Totally. It's going to be meaningful to them. Absolutely. So let's talk about talent for just a minute now. Or actually, I don't know if this is talking about talent. Have we gotten stale in more ways than just companies limiting talent? In other words, we know everybody's not Howard Stern, okay? Uh, Do you feel that radio should begin a process of including in a significant way influencers and social media as true potential future hires in the radio business? I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, we've got a lot of things that we have done and are doing wrong in radio, I believe. It's ruining the listening environment. Of course, social media is important. It's a way to communicate and it's a marketing tool. But the question is, does the influencer have talent beyond a TikTok video? Hmm. And and I'll I'll give you an example. Um, A couple of years ago at an NAB, that was held in Nashville, an NABRAB radio show held in Nashville. I moderated a panel 
that had Jesse James Dupree on it. Jesse James Dupree is the lead singer uh, for a band called Jackal, um, you know, which is a pretty heavy mm. metal kind of band. And on that panel with Jesse James Dupree and I was a guy named Michael Brandevold, who is a marketing wizard. Um, he was credited with being the person who created the VIP experience for concerts. As we finished our session, I happened to say to the two, almost as an afterthought, is there anything you can think of that you would say radio should do? And Michael Brandbold said, you know, I listen to radio still when I'm in my car on the way to the office and on the way home from the office. And I like music, but I really want to hear what the talent have to say. I want to hear what I missed today. I want to be entertained. And he pointed out, you can hear music anywhere. Jesse James Dupree said an amazing thing. Here's this guy with long hair, tattoos on his neck. And he's, and by the way, he was sipping whiskey during our session. And he, and he said, a lot of you in this room aren't going to remember who Paul Harvey is. And he proceeded to tell a story about how Paul Harvey would read commercials on the air in his newscast. And he didn't even really grasp that they were commercials because he made it sound like it was part of the news and was so casual and relaxed. And Jesse said, if I were to own radio stations today, I would hire talent who are capable of doing live commercials. And radio plays too many commercials. And so I would only play four recorded commercials an hour and have four live commercials an hour. And I was like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. And he said, and I would charge a hell of a lot of money for those live commercials. And he said, and here's the other thing I would tell you. The way an air personality gets to keep their job is this way. If I put $1,000 in an envelope and I give it to you and I say at 5 o'clock this afternoon, there better be 3,000 people outside waiting to win what's in that envelope. But you can't tell them it's 1000 bucks. If that air talent does that, he gets to keep his job. And, and I walked away from that saying, this guy should be speaking inside radio <laughs> stations, right? Right, right. Because, because he gets the connectivity. So, so does an influencer have the potential to be an air talent for us? Absolutely. But more than anything, I think it's what Jesse James Dupree said. Great talent who can paint pictures visually, can sell products, and keep an audience entertained. Everybody's in sales. And Mike, I don't know if you know this gentleman, but a few weeks ago we had Phil Guarini on. He is the president of jo the Jonas Group. And he works in primarily in the area of these influencers. And they're really young and they're really different than somebody like myself or people listening to this might think. He said one of his big determinations uh, with those talent, those because he says, look, that is a talent. Being an influencer is a talent. Brands pay millions of dollars for people who can bring influence, right? And he says the, the major thing he looks for is, are they a moment or are they a brand? But at the same time, I, I think this, I think radio talent of all different kinds had better be warned that the new world order is, can you move people? Can yeah. you... Can you make something like that happen? It's a big deal. It seems to me that I've kind of watched uh, much of radio grow 
atrophy and shrink instead of bowing up and using our creativity and going on the offensive to assert radio as a more dynamic, engaging, immersive entertainment force that can actually span over the air radio, social media platforms, web-based engagement, as well as builders of deepening relationships in these local markets and regionally. Relationship are, are really what advertisers truly crave access to today. Do you feel that radio has largely dialed away from relationship? And is there a way to inspire companies to think of themselves and especially their talent as powerful forces for building value and deepening relationships in local markets? Yeah, I, I mean, look, local connectivity is important. I think where people have lost sight of that has been either that they are, you know, voice tracking and not focusing or paying attention to the voice tracker or they're running syndicated programming. One of my biggest frustrations as part of the time that I spent with Cumulus and Westwood One was that we had some program directors who might have a syndicated program on the air or a voice tracker and they flipped a switch and walked away. And and where voice tracking can work, and by the way, it does work. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm coaching a talent named Jeremy Robinson, who's voice tracking on a bunch of stations. I've used a woman named Rachel Marisa on a bunch of stations. It works if the talent is treated as if they're part of your air staff, meaning you're giving them the memos that you give your air staff. And those talent are going online they're researching your market, they're seeing what's going on in your community because local connectivity really is important. And I can point out to you some talent who are live and local who are not focused on connecting to their markets. And that means that either they are misguided or they're lazy or they have a programmer who's misguided or lazy. And I know that's hard to say and there's probably some people in this clubhouse room that are offended right now, but the reality of it is your local talent should be connected to the market. Your syndicated shows can and should be, as should your voice trackers. And and Mike, it's still the responsibility of the local programmer to 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 carve out the emotional feeling, the the content, the shepherding of talent, whether they're whether it's a syndicated product or a voice track product, it, none of that matters, right? Right, right, totally. Okay, my largest concern for radio as we're now approaching one quarter of the 21st century being gone. Okay, I, I used to say this all the time. I'm like, hey, we're already how many ever years in the 21st century? Man, it's like a quarter gone. My my biggest concern is that we have lowered the expectation of audience about who we are, about what role we are willing to play in their lives to what I sometimes think is a dangerous point in many markets. Do you feel that radio has participated in homogeny to the point that many of our brands have become a commodity or worse? Well, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I know the point you were trying to make, but I, I do not feel that we have lowered the audience's expectation I think we've failed it in many situations. You mm -hmm. know, we've degraded the listening experience, uh, but I remain hopeful that we can repair our relationship with the audience. 
Absolutely. Unfortunately, radio has not failed enough yet. Radio has not yet failed enough to lower its spot loads, to Mm. invest in marketing and research, to do things that would improve the listening experience. You know what? That's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And that right there is true. When that happens, things will change. Yeah. As as long as you're able to pay your mountainous debt or kick the can down the road, (laughs) you're you're not going to see anyone voluntarily give up money to improve the product. But it's what's going to have to happen. And unfortunately, we have to fail more for that to happen. You have to feel the pain before you're willing to to stand up and go no more. So, so look, I, I feel very strongly about this, and I think you will agree with this, uh, that relationship is the future of advertising. How does one company plant their flag and and turn the expectation of a relationship with local radio back on and back up? Yeah, I do. I mean, music stations need to bring back music discovery. Uh, we need to play significantly fewer commercials. We need to encourage personalities to be entertainers, get rid of liner cards and let them communicate, do research to satisfy the audience's wants and needs, and and market the stations. What's amazing to me is that we used to do those things, and that's what increased the value of radio stations to where people paid huge multiples. Mm-hmm. We need to improve our digital streams. And and I think, in, in my belief, if I could wave a magic wand, everybody would be total line reporting. Instead of your station breaking away, when I listen online, and by the way, most people today listen on a smart speaker or their phone or on a computer, about the only time they listen to it on us on a radio is in their car. And so... That listening experience online should match what's coming out over the air. So you're not hearing, you're not hearing upcuts, you're not hearing commercials cut off, you're not hearing jingles misfire. It just needs to be a lot better than what we're giving the audience today. Oh, I'd go a little further than that and say that there needs to be an opportunity through apps to do on-demand opportunities as well. Yeah. So. So listen, you and I have talked about, you know, what we call the comment trail in social media and and the the feeling for people who have dropped out of radio and are bitter about today. You and I have loved this business for a long time. We've been very passionate about it. Uh, I've always felt your passion for helping others and your strong passion for radio. How do you see what I call the bidders and and how do the rest of us keep from becoming them in 2021, 2022? Well, I mean, you know, the thing is haters going to hate. And there's nothing that you or I can do about that. Um, I mentioned a sense of entitlement earlier, and, mm-hmm. and to, to many, radio was their lover, and they were spurned by that lover, be it that they got screwed over and fired in a job, be it that they weren't. Yeah, that's strong. tough. Yeah, or, or they thought they weren't as good as they, you know, they weren't as good as they thought they were, and there was a calling of the herd. And, and so if you're spurned by that lover, it's normal for you to be bitter. Um and they don't want to see anyone doing well, by the way. They don't want me to do well. They don't want you to do well. They don't want the majority of the people in this clubhouse to do well. 
And those are the people that right away say, well, radio's dead. You know, they're the ones that say the negative things. I, I wrote a column uh, that ran on Monday of this week, um, yesterday in Radio Inc., where I was talking about news talk stations are going down in the ratings. They need to stop pounding the same message over and over. Stop beating the drum. You know, I could turn on news talk stations and hear them still talking for the 16th week in a row about the new infrastructure bill and not Simone Biles and the mental challenges she's having around the Olympics. Right. And so amazing. Right. That, that was the context of my story. There was a comment after one of my articles that suggested that I should go inside a radio station and see what it's like, because as a consultant, you know, <laughs> we're not there living it. And, and I just saw that and thought, why don't you Google me? You know, I just spent nine <laughs> years as EVP programming content. At whoa, whoa, whoa. Not only you that, know? anybody who knows you knows that you spend time in radio stations. <laughs> I was in so. a station last week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and wow. I visit I visit two stations a week on an average week, and I continue to have a significant number of clients. I'm a traveler again since the vaccine arrived, but my reality is not going to change haters, and and although. I understand why they're angry. And believe me, I've been fired in my life. I get it. But if you're That's that unhappy, fun. no. And if you're that unhappy with the business, go find something else to do. And if you're still in the business and you're on that, you're that unhappy, then give that seat up to somebody who loves the radio and wants to do it. And oh, there because they're talent. out there. Yeah, they're, they're out there. You and I. You and I've talked about it. I know everyone sits down and says, where's the kids? We're the next generation. Oh, you no. Know how many people we can steal? I mean, podcasting, all these things that are out there, more opportunities than ever. So if you hate radio, give up the seat. Let somebody who loves it have it, please. Look, let's put ourselves in the shoes of talent for a minute. A, a, a programmer today or, or a talent, morning show talent, you pick. How do you get attention in a job search? What do you think that looks like from the hiring side? I know you know. And what kind of process do managers have to go through today? And, and what are they dealing with in the corporate radio business to get that hire? Well, everybody needs, let, let me put, you know, the corporate or the consultant hat on for a second. Everybody needs great talent and everyone needs great programmers. My youngest daughter is in the business and is in her third job of being on air over the last 10 years. Before she got into radio, she was a wannabe actress, worked a little bit in L.A., found herself as a casting director or part of a casting crew. And she changed my perspective because she said once she sat in the casting side, she realized they want to find that actress or actor so they can move on to the next role to feel. And and it's the same thing for for programmers. They want to find the great talent that's out there and everybody needs great programmers. You can go to conferences, you can send letters to the trades, Social media is a great way to make yourself high profile and form your own little network of people 
to share ideas with, much like you're doing, Lloyd, with your two different groups. People can do that on their own, be it Clubhouse or just getting together. I always found that when I focused on my job and winning, the next bigger job found me. I can't tell you when I wrote a resume and sent it. The next biggest job found me because I focused on winning and it just came to happen. Winning solves a lot of things, I can tell you that right now. Please connect with the people on our stage and in this room tonight. This is the Encouragers. We are the place that wants to encourage your career, and certainly networking is a big part of that. Mike, let's talk about showcasing your talent. I, I don't mean when you're on the air. I mean, what is the best way for an on-air talent, especially morning show uh, uh, talent and programmers to showcase who they are? Well, I mean, you gotta keep on working on improving your craft and your skills goes without saying, and think about the audience and community and be singularly focused on creating day-to-day tune-in. But when it comes to furthering your brand and marketing yourself, reach out to people like me, focus on who's someone that you admire or you want to learn from, I think you're going to find more people at, at my level are open to sharing ideas, are open to meeting people and mentoring others because we've been mentored. Now, when I was in that job, that seat that Brian Phillips now has at Cumulus, I didn't have time like I have today to do that, but I still tried to do it. But today I have more time. Today I'm master of my own domain. And and anyone who reaches out to me or sends me audio, I will get back to. I bet you I listen to audio at least two times a day from talent that I don't coach or consult Correct. who are asking for some guidance, who are asking what I think. And, and I'm happy to do that. There's a couple of faces I see here in the clubhouse tonight that I'm meeting for the first time at Morning Show Boot Camp. They saw that I was gonna be there. They had the courage to reach out and ask me if they could meet with me. And I had to juggle some things around and they adjusted their schedule to fit mine and we're going to see each other. So, I mean, I think that networking is very, very important. By the way, this is a great thing that Mike McVeigh does, and I'll also do it too, but I will point this out too. In the last maybe six or eight weeks on the Radio Rally, which is our Monday night event, we've had so many talent from programmers to morning show talent talk about moments in their career where they called somebody who's really big in the business and they were so nervous and so scared and they weren't sure exactly what was going to happen. And in every single occasion, they welcomed them in and they mentored these people. Mike, let's talk about your social media profile. And by that, I I don't mean yours. I mean the generic you. How important is it to have exceptional social media that you know employers are going to see because they're surely going to look at it in the hiring process today, or at least the good employers will be doing that. How aggressive do you feel a talent should be in the area of social media, even in getting a job? Well, I, th- I think social media is important. And and by the way, it is important to me because it's one of my marketing tools. Um, right. I learned a lot from Lori Lewis, the social media consultant, who I know that you've had. Yeah, she knows a few things. 
and and she taught me how important it was to have a routine. And so on Mondays, I push out my Radio Inc. article. On Wednesdays, I usually push out something or share something I saw that I liked. Thursday's my throwback Thursday. Friday, if there's something cool out there that I've seen someone else did, I will share that as well. But for me, it's a marketing tactic as well as connectivity. I mean, I like getting feedback from people on it. And I think that's what talent and programmers should do for their careers as well as their audience. I will tell you this, you've got to be on social media who you are on the air. You can't be one or the other. You know, there was a time in radio when I was starting that we might sit down with a male host, a female host, and, um, you know, a teenage intern and say to them, okay, here's your roles. Kathy, you're married with a kid. And Kathy says, but I'm not married. Well, for this show, you are. Well, you can't do that today. I mean, you know, reality is there. And today, everyone is raw fibers. Everyone's genuine material. There's no, you know, fake material here in our fibers. Um, Listen, I also think that it's incredibly important today. The thing that's missing for most people's lives, and I know this sounds however it sounds, but people crave authenticity because they can't get it. Everybody's posing. Well, and Benstown Imaging is one of my clients, and so I watch Dave Chachi Dennis. Everybody knows him as Chachi. He's a really good marketer because he has his own podcast. You know, Chachi loves everybody, and and mm-hmm. he's pushing it out there, and his marketing team is really sharp. Uh, the two women that work for him are are always looking for new things. You know, they were the first people to tip me off to Clubhouse when it was first starting. And so it's educational for me to simply watch and learn from others like them. And that's my advice to everybody. Be observant, put your ego away and learn. And to the one major thing that Lloyd said that I don't wanna leave go without bolding and underlining it, prospective employers do check you out online. If there's pictures of you throwing up in a bucket on Twitter, Mm or pictures in Facebook that are perhaps too suggestive. You know, be aware that that potential employer is gonna see it and leave it there only because you've made a decision to do so. That's exactly correct. So uh, listen, I'm a little bit nervous asking this next question after you said, I didn't even put a resume together. I focused on winning all the time and it just came to me. <laughs> so so here goes anyway. And you can certainly speak to this from being on the corporate side of radio and as a well, consultant. Well, too. And, let me, and let me interrupt you for a second. My, yeah, voice yeah, yeah. My, my voice doesn't sound that way. If you're going to imitate me, you got to imitate a grind. Oh, well, I have never ah. promised. I have never ah. promised ah. to have any talent in these areas. You have to use your imagination. Give me <laughs> your your 30 seconds over a resume in, in the 21st century. In other words, what goes in? How should it look? What should stay out of a resume for radio right now? Well, I mean, you know, first off, I would say be factual and accurate, not too fancy. Um, it should have your name. I want to know your address, even if I'm never going to mail you because I want to know what city you're in. Um, it shouldn't be hard for me or any potential employer to read your resume. Sometimes people get really creative and they're using colors and different shading and 
Mm. You know, I, I have to blow it up on my computer to be able to see it or follow it. Keep it to one page if possible. Give me a link for your audio. Make it as easy as possible for me to review your material. And if you do get to that uh, job interview process and you've had one job every year for the last four years, and I ask you why you've had so many jobs over such short period of time, be honest about it. Don't make every change somebody else's fault. There's nothing wrong with saying, got to be honest, it just didn't happen in the ratings. They thought that it was me. I went on to the next job. I hit a home run. The guys in the bigger market called me. I went to that job because it was more money. You know, all of those things are acceptable answers. So and, be and, factual and true, accurate, simple. And please, please make it easy for you to receive a phone call from a potential employer for them to connect to your email address immediately. Don't make them look for these things. Make it obvious to them. I'll just add right. those things in. Uh, yes. Please do connect with our group, the Encouragers, tonight. You can like us right on the page that you're on, I'm sure. And, of course, uh, we want you to do that while you're here. We're actually spreading goodwill and encouragement for radio pros at all levels. So be uh uh, be somebody who becomes an encourager and share us with some other people as well. Mike, I, I, I've been in a number of conversations where very experienced people in our business suggest that talents at all levels should, should quiz a company and research a company on debt load and stability before going to work for them. I have never thought that was enough. Not even when I was a young programmer, I, I always kind of probed the business strategy of the local cluster. How does the company work? How many salespeople do you have? And, and how do you manage the salespeople? Is it broken down into how, how does it work? Tell me all about it. Tell me about your profit margin. Tell me about your goals and more. What do you recommend that talent, programmers, air talent of all kinds, uh, what, what do you recommend that they do when it comes to understanding the risk involved in taking that next job in radio? Well, I think I think it is smart to ask about business strategy, the local cluster and and about the salespeople and what have you. And and also what that manager's expectations are from a rating and a revenue standpoint. Um, and it would probably impress a market manager if you ask them about the company's debt load. Although I don't know many managers, frankly, who could answer that honestly. <laughs> so, so, so I probably would I probably wouldn't ask that one, but I would ask those other questions. But I'd not be afraid of a big company failing to pay me. I'd be more afraid of an individual owner who doesn't have deep pockets. And mm. and you know we've all you know earlier in our careers we a lot of us started out working for mom and pop shops, and and I always had more challenges getting paid what I was owed for a live remote broadcast in those situations than a big company. So I think the focus of, you know, what do you expect your programmer to do? What do you expect me as a talent to do? What are the expectations for performance and ratings? You know, what's an average week look like? And what do you think that your company needs to do better or your cluster needs to do better to be successful? Those are really good questions that can help someone be a lot more confident in taking a job. 
And by the way, I, I'm going to translate just one thing here, and that's this. Whether you go to work for a big company, you go to work for a corporation that you're never going to work for, you go to work for a mom and pop, you cannot take all the risk out of taking a job. You just cannot do that. Um, if, if we're being honest, uh, there's a lot of following going on in the radio business, Mike McVeigh. How about independent companies? Let's talk about them for a minute. Non-corporate companies and, and pure local radio companies, how do they leverage advantage over corporations today? Because we all know that people talk about the advantages that the corporations have. They're big. They've got a lot of leverage. If you're local and, and you're small, how do you take advantage? You know, you have speed and ability to change direction at a moment's notice. Um, when consolidation kicked in, I was calling it consulting a number of privately owned stations that have since been sold to bigger companies. One such station was WMAS-FM in Springfield, Massachusetts. We were locally owned and up against what was then Clear Channel and is now iHeart. And, and when iHeart bought WHYN-FM, we all felt sure they were going to roll over us. And we hustled, we contested, we appeared everywhere we could in the community. We made fun of their group contests on the air, and, and we kept them from beating us. And a year or so later, I was consulting some clear channel radio stations, and I was in a meeting with one of their corporate programmers. And, and I asked him, you know, about that situation where WMAS held them off. And by the way, today still holds them off, but held them off. And he said to me, almost as if it was matter of fact, well, we can't react that quickly. How, how are we going to compete against mm -hmm. a local owner like that? And, and he described their company at that time as if it were a cruise ship. And my individual owner was a speedboat flying around them. And so that's the difference between being in a big situation and a smaller situation. And I go back to something I said earlier about, you know, corporate radio. It's really about the market managers. Some stations owned by large corporations have market managers who operate with speed and are definitely strong at adapting to whatever they need to do to improve their content, their product, and sell more advertising. Oh, dude, and the really sharp ones are good at communicating that to their team so that the entire team moves swiftly. Right? Yeah, totally. Totally. I agree All 100%. Right. So let's talk about radio in general. Is radio in trouble because of some of the sloppy things that are being done specifically with digital and different companies, and especially the loss of huge profit margin in converting radio business to digital business. Well, I mentioned earlier that in my brain, stations should TLR. Um, you know, I'm not going to give an example, but there's a top 10 market where um, you know, I've been harping at the market manager for the longest time that they should TLR and that individual. Explain, explain, explain TLR for everyone. To, total line reporting. So if you are a subscriber to Nielsen, the only way you can add in the listening you have on your stream is if it is identical to what's over the air. Right. And many, many broadcast companies like to separate the stream from over the air. 
because they sell different commercials on the stream. And the reality of it is, if you total line report and what's over the air is what's on your stream and vice versa, it's 100% identical, you can then add that audience into your Nielsen ratings. And as I mentioned earlier, I, who the hell listens on an over-the-air radio, you know? Mm-hmm. It's only if you're in your car or you happen to have one in your bathroom that comes on when you turn on the light. And, and so you will generate more revenue if you have anywhere near a half-decent sales team if you total line report because your ratings will show an increase that should generate more money because over-the-air advertising is generally sold at a higher rate than digital advertising. Now, Mike, what kind of bathroom do you have where you turn a light on and a radio comes on in the bathroom? <laughs> I, <laughs> this is kind of, this is news to me. I don't know. Hey, hmm. man, you, you just got to have one of those high-tech, old-fashioned light switches. I guess so. Listen, I think you know this about me. Uh, it, certainly, you can tell, and, and, and you've known me long enough to know that I like to focus on profit margin. I've always been this way. I'm very bullish on local clusters smartly buying local digital agencies to create more opportunity for being uh, better in digital sales for creating more profit margin and an opportunity. And I think this is key to deepen relationships in local markets effectively without trading money around today. Do you think that this is a strong potential path for local radio? I I do. I think it's a smart strategy. Um, And you only need to look at Town Square and what they've done with Ignite, which is their digital program. You know, Town Square has brilliantly positioned themselves as a digital company that just happens to own radio stations. And I consulted some Town Square stations in my earlier incarnation of McVeigh Media in Buffalo. And remember when Stephen Price, the original CEO of that company, came in and said, you know, we're going to have this percentage of our advertising come from digital in five years. And in 10 years, it'll be this percentage of advertising. And so it is a smart strategy, and it gives local broadcasters an opportunity to become marketing companies. So you're clearing commercial inventory over the air, you're doing it in social media, and you're being more than, you know, one-dimensional with audio only. You know, ironically, that theory for me developed by watching, as an investor, watching Brian Monahan, who is the CEO of Bank of America. And he says, he says this a lot. He says, if you can develop a depth of three or more services with a client, they're never leaving you. And that's their goal at Bank of America. And I think, you know what, if that's their goal at Bank of America, why can't that be a goal for radio? Why can't we look at ourselves differently than we have in the past? Because I think the time is here. Right. It would be great. It would be great if we could, um, you know, make that happen. Um, You know, I don't again, I think radio hasn't failed enough yet or heard enough Mm. yet. Right. To, to make those kind of moves, but it would be great. And maybe someday it will happen. As I said earlier, I am a big believer in the black swan. Do you believe that there are some things that you cannot plan for in your career today? 
Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And and for those who are unaware of it, the black swan theory um, is a metaphor that describes an event that comes as a surprise. You know, it has yes. a major effect. Uh, it's often inappropriately rationalized after the fact with the benefit of hindsight. Of course, it was a black swan. <laughs> but yeah, but but, you know, it's. I think in all of our career, I mean, my God, Governor Cuomo is an idiot. He's resigning. I'm sure he didn't see this happening, you know, 12 years ago when he became a governor. He's never going to come back from that. There are things in careers that could be a black swan. I I hope to God that I'm never a person who victimizes anyone. I hope I'm never a victim in a downfall at a broadcast company or an audio or media company. But I think that. To me, it's all about the brand you. Um, I know I mentioned, you know, to you at one point, the brand you 50 by Tom Peters is one of my favorite books. That's correct. I'm reading it right now, actually. Yeah, yeah, that book is a great book because, you know, I am a brand. Mike McVeigh is a brand. I may be leased to an employer for 10 years, but I'm still my own brand. And I'm doing what that employer pays me to do, and I'm magnifying it and doing it better than what their expectations are, I hope. But I'm a brand. And so there are things that you cannot plan for in your career, but you have to remember, if you're a brand, then you will do what's right for your brand. That's correct. And Warren Buffett says it takes a lifetime to build a reputation. It takes two seconds to undo it all. So that's good for anybody that's in any business today. Can radio invest in local talent and developing that talent today? Is that something that we can do? Yeah, totally. I mean, I I hope that radio is doing that. It should be doing that. I, I believe so. I'm coaching six different shows You know, right now, three of them are youthful talent who are honing their skills. They're in smaller markets. Um, You know, their managers have invested in them because they want to develop something and build it over time. So so radio can and is doing that in many cases. How should you image yourself as a talent? Let's say you're you're on this event or you're listening to the podcast later when we launch it, uh, including program directors. How can these people today and and how do how can they image themselves and how do you separate yourself from the pack in a job search or even when you're not searching for a job? Because that period of time is important, too. Yeah, again, I go back to winning, and you said it earlier, winning solves a lot of problems. Correct. Yeah, you, you know, if we all, if everyone who's on this clubhouse session right now were to write down names of people they greatly respect or that they view as winners in the industry, some of the same names would pop up because those people are winners. And so I, I would like to say start with your own performance. Don't take a job and start focusing on where the next job is going to be. Take a job and excel at that job so that you are then known for having had that success. Then when it comes time to look for another job, as we mentioned earlier, create an easy to read resume, have an audio demo or a sizzle reel, plus an actual show both at links that somebody can click on their computer Do your research on the potential employer. Know who they are and understand what's going on. I have had two situations in the last few weeks 
one an air talent going for a job the other a programmer going for a job the programmer was told to listen to the station they said they did but when the market manager quizzed them the programmer didn't have a lot of answers and was clearly just looking at the website the air talent was told to answer questions and provide uh, experience they've had in being in a market, in a community, doing remotes. Tell us where you've done it, what you've done it, you know, what you've done in that situation. What, what this air talent did was send like four bullet points. What that market manager wanted was real information so they could tell that this air talent was experienced in a market their size and would not have to be trained from the beginning. And so you want to be successful, work hard at it, work harder than anybody else. I have never considered myself to be the most intelligent programmer in a room with other programmers. But I can tell you, I can get by in four hours of sleep. <laughs> and I will work 20 hours a day and make sacrifices that I know other people won't make so that I can beat you. I'm in that That's, club. That's what you have to have, right? Exactly correct. And and look, I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I was especially encouraged earlier when you were talking about market managers for a minute. A lot of our conversation, you know, revolves around talent. And and to me, talents on both sides of the business. They're they're really talented, gifted talent at sales, really talented people on the programming side. And and who manages these people? Ultimately, this responsibility falls to the market manager. We don't talk about them as much. They're kind of the kingmakers, if you will, in these markets. And I'm reminded of an old Cary Grant quote where he says the responsibility far outweighs the benefits. But let's talk about market managers for a minute because they do have a lot of stress on them. They do have all of the responsibility of what's happening in a local market. If they're really good, man, things can be amazing. Should these market managers, should they be concerned about their career path? What, what are things looking like in that seat today? And where and do you, where see, do you see, see that in the future? You know, market, market managers in a lot of situations have the toughest of jobs. Um, you know, they're given sales goals to hit that they didn't create. They have to abide by budgets that they weren't involved in designing. And, right. and, and, and to be fair, it's no different than a PD being told to turn around a station, but they have no research, no promotional or marketing budget. And they're without more than a couple local talent. So, so it's tough. So, you know, win with those odds against you and you are a dynamic manager. Um, I, you know, I've worked with a lot of different kinds of market managers. The market managers that I've always believed do the best are the ones that are great team leaders and they build teams. They encourage people to do their best job. They're positive motivators. Those are the managers that have a staff that will walk on broken glass for them or hot coals. Those well, they, rec they recognize the talent. They recognize talent all over the building consistently, right? Yeah, totally, totally. And they're the ones also who allow people to do their job. They right. give them guidance, 
but they let them do their job. 100% correct. Let's don't, let's don't leave out the talented salespeople from this conversation. Are sellers actually in trouble? I know that's going to come as a surprise to a lot of people. I feel like the holy grail of some broadcast companies is, what if we could get rid of all these pesky sellers? Is, is that a thing? Um, you know, it's that's that's not been my experience. I mean, great sellers have always been in demand. Correct. And, and, and will be, and it's about relationships as much as it is about ratings. You know, sellers who can't sell never last long. You have one job. Uh, one of my friends is a market manager in a resort town in Georgia. And when the pandemic really kicked in, in April 2020, and he had advertiser after advertiser calling him to cancel, he said to all of them, I'm not going to let you cancel your ad schedule. And you would imagine their response. And he would say, calm down. You're going to keep your ad schedule going, but I'm not going to charge you for it. Because you need to advertise now because people need your service and you need the money. And so he gave free commercials in April and May. And in May, you know, when he gave everyone another free month, he said, we're going to need to start charging again in June. But May, keep it going. Keep running your schedule for free advertising. He's one of the few people I've talked to in Brunswick, Georgia, where he is. One of the few people I've talked to who's 2020 outperformed 2019. And it's because, wow. you know, he's a hell of a seller and he was there to help those people when they needed it. And I, I look, I've seen different things with different clients who produce different results during this period of time. This is this has been an unprecedented and frankly weird period of time for broadcasters. Some people have responded very calmly, and those people that is a great example. Of course, I've seen similar things, but not quite that far. Uh, it, you know, you and I go back a long way in the radio business. You've seen it. You've seen all of it. Uh, you, you still have a strong passion for this, Mike. What drives in radio even? You know, my, um, my enthusiasm comes from realizing how blessed I am to have a job that's fun and exciting and, and always changing. And it, it feeds my desire to entertain and be high profile. You know, I'm that guy, if you walk into a party, I'm standing in a corner holding court. And so this job satisfies, <laughs> satisfies that in me. Yeah, my, my family background is blue collar. I, I watched my father scrub the stains of manual labor off his hands. Um, you know, my sister worked for her entire career on an assembly line in a factory that made thermostats. Um, you can talk about a boring job. I, I don't have that. My wife comes from a family of farmers. So we both know what real work looks like. And neither of us want to do that for a living. Um, and so it's a privilege to work in radio. Two of our children and the son-in-law are all somehow connected to the business. And, and I'm really proud of them. And, and that takes me back to the complainers, the haters, the naysayers. Yes, right. I, I mean, I feel for them. They're unhappy and they're obviously feeling trapped or else they go do something that makes them happy. 
Well, I got to tell you, and, and please don't get mad at me. You do not strike me as a guy with those qualities. And, and here's what I mean. You do not strike me as a guy that's like me. My father was a boilermaker. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, I would never have guessed, well, you know, Mike McVeigh comes from blue collar family. I don't think anybody would guess that about you. And it does kind of change your perspective about how fortunate we are. We are fortunate to work in this business. It's a big deal. Are you kidding? I used to, uh, I mean, I, I used to say, somebody would say to me, how's it going in consulting? And, and I used to say, I keep waiting for the police to show up at my door. <laughs> and they go, why? And I'd say, anything this fun that pays you money must be illegal. Mike, it is fun. It is fun to help other people. It makes you feel good, doesn't it? Totally, totally. All right. This group is called the Encouragers. Please join our group. Uh, uh, give us some thoughts, Mike, about the positives in radio today. In other words, let us hear your bullet points for a positive future path in a radio career today. Well, know that you're special. Have a strong self-worth about yourself. Work hard. Train hard. Practice, practice, practice. If you're an air talent, realize that it is a privilege to turn on a microphone and speak because there are very few of those jobs. If you're a program director, realize how privileged you are to be making a living doing that because there are fewer and fewer of those jobs. Be focused on self-improvement. I've made myself a lifelong project. Take time for yourself to improve yourself and your life because that's going to improve the lives of those around you and stay humble, you know, because of who I am and because my name is out there, it's always rewarding and yet disappointing to me when I bump into someone and I spend time with them and they say, I wasn't expecting you to be humble or I wasn't expecting mm. this, you know, cause I want everyone to know that that's who I am, but I get why they don't. And I just keep telling myself, which I hope all of you will tell yourself, this could all go away tomorrow. There's no entitlement in media. Right. And, and my, my rule of life is practicing the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. I'm going to tell you something right now, Mike McVeigh, about why some people think that about you. And it has absolutely nothing to do with you other than the fact that you have a very long and very successful track record in this business. And when that occurs, it is my belief that people look at you and they go, that guy right there has no problems. That guy doesn't know what it's like to be me. And it's not because you're putting off something that says that or that you don't know what it's like to be them, because we've discussed that tonight. You come from a blue collar family. You, you know, it's that people's perception of you might be different. People's perception of me might be different than the actual truth of the experience. I know that you have a lot of compassion for 
the people who work in radio today, Mike, I do too. That's one of the reasons that we invented the encouragers on Clubhouse. I must say that you taught me and many others to help other people in this business and that no one does anything alone in this business or any other. That's why teamwork means so much. Do you have any last thoughts for us on this live broadcast? You know, I think that more than anything, the opportunities that exist today are there. We have to change our perspective. We have to look at the horizon at a different angle to be able to see the sun as it rises. And if you don't limit yourself to whatever you're doing now and you're willing to learn and you're willing to take risks, then you will most likely continue to grow, evolve, change and succeed. That, that would be my advice to everyone. The turtle only gets ahead when he sticks out his neck. Correct. And when the hair, uh, of course, takes a break. <laughs> yes, he uh, often yeah. does. That's true. That's true. No, it is uh, true. I, listen, I do want to thank Mike McVeigh for always making time for things like this, the thing we're doing right now. We both wanted to have a discussion about radio right now on the ground in the United States to talk about the good, the bad and the ugly and hopefully give you opportunity to get value from this exercise. This live broadcast will be available later tonight as the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast and our other podcast called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. Both are on iTunes and about 20 other platforms. So uh, as they like to say, wherever you get your podcast, please subscribe and please share it with your friends in radio and audio. This is a place for encouragement. Special thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating audio footprint and distributing them. Later tonight, not only will the podcast be available on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast, but we will also make the link available so you can share it in your personal social media. It'll be in our blog section at RainmakerPathway.com, RainmakerPathway.com. I always try to fit this in every single live broadcast that we do because I'm very, very passionate about this. I learned this early in my broadcast career. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else that you want. We are broadcasters. We use creativity and our nimble ability to deliver for advertisers and connect to local audiences and do great things for our communities. Be kinder than you have to be. Join us tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Encouragers Innovation and Audio every Monday. We also have the Encouragers, the radio rally also at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. It's like we're stuck on that time. Thank you for listening to this event tonight on The Encouragers. This is the place where we hope that you can come to be encouraged every single week with our live events. And uh, we certainly want you to have a great rest of your week. Mike McVeigh, thank you so much and good night. Thank you.